You, right there in your life, are blessed. In your body, that one. In your circumstances, in this day, in your suffering, you are, you can be, blessed. But if you want to experience that blessing in a deep way, it's a little bit counterintuitive. So, stay with me. I want to ask you to begin with, what do you think is the most impactful talk in the history of the human race? This video is going out on the day that we remember the life of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And if you look up almost anything online, it'll tell you over the last hundred years or so, the most famous, probably influential talk, at least in America, was his famous speech, I Have a Dream. And as you might know, Taylor Branch and other folks write about this. He was talking about a different topic, hadn't planned on this. And then he quoted from the Bible, the prophet that says, uh, righteousness is going to flow like waters. Justice is going to flow like waters. And Mahalia Jackson from the choir piped up, tell him about the dream, Martin. And so he did. And that dream was deeply rooted, of course, in the kingdom of God, because Martin Luther King Jr. was a preacher of the gospel of Jesus, the gospel of the kingdom. Martin Luther King had been profoundly influenced by, uh, particularly the talk that Jesus gave called the Sermon on the Mount. King had also been influenced by the nonviolent philosophy of Mahatma Gandhi. Gandhi had also been deeply influenced by the Sermon on the Mount. Gandhi received the last letter that Tolstoy, the famous Russian novelist, wrote other than to his family before he died. And in it, Tolstoy commended to Gandhi the teachings of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. The most influential talk in the history of the human race, and nothing else is close, no other talk comes second, you think about this, is the talk that Jesus gave that we have come to know as the Sermon on the Mount. Harvey Cox, in his book, When Jesus Came to Harvard, says that the Sermon on the Mount is the most luminous, most influential, most contested, most studied, most quoted, most written about talk in the history of the human race. It has impacted ethical conversation and learning more than any other talk, and the invitation now is for you to become a student of these remarkable words. And part of what Jesus says here is that you are blessed. In Matthew 5, the beginning of the talk, the context is Jesus saw the great crowds that were coming to him. We'll talk about this more as we go on. And he went up to a mountain and he called his disciples to him. So there's two groups now. There's the crowd and the disciples. We'll get to that. And he, and he sat down and he opened his mouth and began to speak. And he said, blessed. And I will stop right there. You are blessed. This is the beginning. The beginning of the Sermon on the Mount is not what you are supposed to do. It is good news that blessing life in the kingdom, in the presence and power and love and favor of God is now available to you, precisely you, this day, who you are. Jesus is addressing the great questions. Dallas Willard used to talk about the great questions as, what's real? What can I count on? Who's living the good life? That's what the blessing stuff gets to. Who is a good person and how do you become a good person? Now, uh, quite recently, there have been some award shows on TV. They usually come at a certain 
time of the year. And then the next day, there's articles about who looked really good, who was dressed up real nice and was real pretty, real handsome. And those articles came out and my wife has opinions about which guys she felt looked really, really good. I'm not threatened by that at all. Because Jesus said that there's a whole human system that talks about who's got the good life, who is well off, but that now ultimate reality is available to human beings and the good life, the blessed life is available to you. Life together with God, no matter what you look like, no matter how you dress up. And the language of the Sermon on the Mount has impacted human vision like no other language. Consider the birds of the air, they're cared for, the lilies of the field, turn the other cheek, the golden rule. However, however, there are a lot of sayings in the Sermon on the Mount, when you really get into it, that can be quite confusing or challenging. Like, if somebody strikes you on the cheek, turn the other cheek. Is that realistic? Or somebody asks for your cloak, give them your shirt as well. Or if somebody uh, asks you for something, then give whatever they ask, lend to anybody that asks you. You know, if you really do that and word gets around, you're going to have a lot of people asking you for stuff. Or sometimes the standards seem unrealistically high. Jesus will say things like, you've heard it said, don't murder. And if you commit murder, you're uh, subject to judgment. But I tell you, anyone who is angry with their brother or sister is subject to judgment. And if you say, you fool, you're liable to hell. Well, that seems pretty impossible. Or, you have heard, don't commit adultery. I tell you, if you look at a woman with lust, lustfully, uh, you've already committed adultery in your heart. Seriously. Or, uh, if your right eye offends you, pluck it out. If your right hand offends you, cut it off. Well, what do we do with these statements? And so many people, although the Sermon on the Mount has this tremendous power, over the centuries, a lot of people have said it's just not practical. And folks have devised all different kind of ways basically to read it and get us off the hook. In the Middle Ages, for many centuries, there was a teaching that said there's kind of a two-track audience uh, for the Sermon on the Mount. And for the average person, we're to follow what were called precepts, like the Ten Commandments. And then some people that would become priests or monks, they're the ones that would have to turn the other cheek all the time and give away whatever they had and so on. So they'd follow it that way. And then in the Reformation, Luther came along and said, no, no, that's not the case. It's for uh, everybody. But really, Jesus deliberately makes it so hard that we'll realize I can't keep this stuff. And so I just got to throw myself on God's mercy and be saved by that. And then all of the beauty and power of the ethical teaching of the Sermon on the Mount, the vision for human life, gets lost. And then there were other folks, they were called Anabaptists, again, kind of in the time of the Reformation. They said, no, 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 we got to take these teachings seriously. And they took them quite literally. So where Jesus said, don't take oaths, they would literally say, you can't take an oath. So you can't give testimony in court. You can't actually become a soldier. And then, of course, legalism would creep back in and they would say, well, if somebody uh, ask you to lend them something, you have to do it. So just avoid people that are doing that. And then uh, 150 years ago or so, there were folks, you might have heard of Albert Schweitzer, and he said really what was going on in the Sermon on the Mount is Jesus thought the end of the world was coming. And so he said between now and then, this is kind of what he called an interim ethic, kind of like martial law, kind of like, yeah, you got to give away everything. You got to do stuff that you could never do long term, but uh, you got to do right now until the kingdom comes. But of course, then the kingdom didn't come. 
And then there was a whole other school of thought called dispensationalism that said, actually, the Sermon on the Mount was Jesus's offer for life in the kingdom to Israel, but Israel rejected it. And so the Sermon on the Mount is an offer that got taken off the table and doesn't really apply to us at all. And the amazing thing about the Sermon on the Mount is even though there were all these different approaches to it, and I think that all of those were wrong, and that the Sermon on the Mount is for us, and its power and beauty and possibility, if we're able to understand the way that Jesus taught, we'll learn about that together, is a matchless vision of human life. Now, the amazing thing about the Sermon on the Mount is somehow its power and uh, vision and beauty keep shining through, even though we have a hard time understanding it. In Tolstoy's final novel, which is called Resurrection, he has a prince who's kind of a thinly disguised version of himself. And at the end of the novel, he rereads the Gospel of Matthew. And this is what Tolstoy says about this character, really himself. He saw in the Sermon on the Mount, not beautiful abstract thoughts, presenting for the most part exaggerated impossible demands, but simple, clear, practical commandments, which if obeyed, and this was quite feasible, would establish a completely new order of human society in which the violence that filled human hearts would not only cease of itself, but the greatest blessing a man can hope for, the kingdom of heaven on earth, would be attained. His soul was swept by an ecstasy such as he had not felt for many a day. It was as though, after long pining and suffering, he suddenly found peace and liberation. He now understood and believed. He said to himself, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. But we seek all these things and obviously fail to attain them. And then he goes on, This then shall be my life's work. Now, here's the invitation. Here's the way to experience blessing. Jesus goes through his amazing teaching about how do we deal with anger and how do we deal with lust and how do we deal with sexuality? How do we deal with speaking the truth and so? And then when he's going to sum all of that up, he gives what has become known as the golden rule. Therefore, do unto others as you would have others do to you. For in this is summarized all the law and the prophets. Amazingly enough, you are blessed right there in your life, your circumstance, your body. Nancy and I were talking recently. We were having a day that was just a painful day. Details don't matter, but it was. And how do we go through this? And the thought that came was, we could try to help other people. We could try to serve and be a blessing to other people. And it's amazing the power that flows into my life when I try to enhance, when I try to be a blessing to other people. Blessed Blessed, that's the first word of the Sermon on the Mount, and it is you right there in your situation. This day, you are blessed. And if you want to live in that, then the invitation is, as you look at the people that come into your life as you go through this day, just ask this one question. If I was in their shoes, if I was that person having that need, what would I want to have said or done for me? And then do it. And we will learn together from the greatest talk of all time. 
You've been listening to Become New with John Orpert, where you can receive 10 minutes of daily teaching about the person you're becoming. If you like what you're hearing, you can head on over to our website, becomenew.com, where John has over 710 minute teachings on the person you're becoming, cataloged in 20 different series covering a range of topics you might be interested in. If you'd like to receive the emails that go along with each episode that include extra resources and discussion questions, you can let us know at becomenew.com slash subscribe. Lastly, if you have a prayer request, there's a team of us who meet each weekday to pray for listeners just like yourself. You can send your specific request to us at the number 855-888-0444. I'm glad you're here, and we'll catch you next time.